Live from Las Vegas, this is the Wayne Coy Show. How you do? How you do what you do? Boy, did I have a rough day today. I started some new medicine, and it was not kind to me. We were doing the, uh, well, put it this way, I was laying on my bed, you know, my regular bed, and it felt like I was laying on a waterbed. I mean, it was just, yep. Nothing worse than being nauseous, right? It is the worst. But uh, feeling better now. Thanks for asking. Appreciate that. Hey, it's Thursday. You know what that means, don't you? I'm going to make it an offer again with you. Check it one. This is a bandit. It's a snowman out there. My head is shot. Tell me about it. Stop. He's looking at you, kid. Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. He's always ready for his close-up. He was born ready for his close-up. Patrick Stibbs, the box officer from Omaha, Nebraska. Hello, sir. Hey, Wayne. Boy, how are you? Well, we're doing good. How are you doing? Good. I don't get to see you tonight, though. Oh, well, I'm green. I don't know if you heard, but I was very nauseous all day, so my my skin color, I look like the great gazoo from the Flintstones. Ah, gotcha. Okay. I'm very green today. But, um, you know, I'm I'm wearing a, a, uh, should I describe this, Uh, sort of a a black plaid shirt today. Believe it or not, I I stepped out of my safety zone, and I'm I'm wearing a Raiders cap today. Oh, my God. I know. I know. Um, Holy moly. But other than that, you know, I look the same as I did last week. What about you? Have you changed your look? Are you doing a different color hair now? I thought in honor of our movie tonight, I would call you from my BlackBerry. Um, Actually, I'm just kidding. My BlackBerry doesn't work anymore, so I'm calling you from my iPhone. But we're talking about... The movie Blackberry tonight. Have you heard about this? I, I, you know what? I had not heard about it until you said something about it. Then I was like, okay, I thought it was a joke. Uh, you're going to make a movie <laughs> about about a device that only Patrick Stibbs still wants to be in existence. But apparently, you're not alone because there's a movie now. There is a movie now, and not only is there a movie uh, opening tomorrow, but it's getting rave reviews. You know, when the movie Air came out um, with um, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon, and you know, everybody said, "God, could they really make a two-hour movie that's, you know, about a tennis shoe getting signed uh, by Michael Jordan or whatever?" And the answer was, "Oh yes, they could make a very good film." And now people are asking, "Well, can they really make a two-hour movie based on some failed, you know, smartphone?" And the answer is, "Oh my gosh, yes, they made a very, very good movie." Wow, and. This movie is this. It's the story of the rise and fall of the very first smartphone, which was the BlackBerry. So the movie takes place starts off in 1996, and you got these two these two geek nerds, uh, Mike uh, and Doug, and these guys are on the verge of or the edge, I should say, of creating the first uh, the world's first smartphone. They were the ones that said, you know, we got this internet right, World Wide Web just sitting there no one's been able to communicate with this thing yet with a telephone and a, an email and they put it all together and they created the, the literally the blackberry was the first smartphone i'm looking at a so, pic- picture of one right now patrick and i forgot that they were as small as they are because now everybody's got a a big huge phone and these things were right. fit in the palm of your hand wouldn't they they did. They fit in the palm of your hand, and, and anybody who had one, and, and let's face it, millions of people did back then. And uh, so what happened was is these guys were very good techies, but they were not very good business people. So what happened was is they ended up partnering with this guy, uh, Jim Jim Buffile is his name, and he agrees to join the company if they give him half 
of the company. And they said, okay, you're on. And this guy brought it to market. And uh, they created this prototype of what would be the BlackBerry. And then the smart thing they did is they got free BlackBerries to every powerful politician, uh, rock star, actor, whoever, you, you name it. They got them Blackberries and started, you know, getting these people kind of hooked on these Blackberries. And then before you know it, the thing grows to hundreds of millions of, of sales. So here's what happened. So everybody goes, well, what the heck happened to these guys? Well, their company was called RIM, R-I-M, stands for Research in Motion. So after this businessman joined the fold, things started going to hell. And, you know, the company's value skyrocketed, but with just in a few short years, there were shady business dealings. There were personal grievances. And then the most dangerous enemy of all came along called the iPhone. Oh, yeah. And all these combined just took this company down. And this movie is actually extremely fascinating to watch. And to watch this great company with this great product. Let's face it. It was, it was an amazing product. You know, world's first smartphone. But you know what? Just because you're first and even if you're best, doesn't mean you're going to outlive the rest. And so this movie is about what actually happened to these guys in this company. And I'll tell you what, it's absolutely fascinating to see. Wow. You know, it reminded me of, I watched the uh, the trailer, Patrick, and it reminded me of the movie Facebook. You know, I think Social Network yes. or whatever that was called. Was it called Social Network? Uh, I think it was called The Social Network, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's what this reminds me of, kind of a, a reenactment of stuff that, you know, you know, at first I was like, well, this was, this just happened. But no, it didn't just happen. It was, it was over, no. over 20 years ago now. It, it was. It was in 1996 uh, when this all came about. And, you know, that was a, right about the time, you know, I remember you and I, well, we were, we were both working at the same radio station at the time, but email had just kind of come around, right? Like, at least in our neck of the woods, 94, 95, 96, whatever. And these guys said, okay, we, we've got this way to combine, you know, again, email with communication um, and um, it all in one device. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, they created the BlackBerry. And, uh, yeah, by all means, this thing should have just been just kicking butt and taking names for years and years and years and years. But we all know that's not always the case. Well, you got to adapt, adapt or die. That's what they say, right? Yeah, exactly. Adapt or die. You're right. And um, I keep saying it about the Sony Betamax, Wayne, but it hasn't made a comeback. No, yet. that's not going to. That's not adapt or die. That's that's uh, quit being ridiculous and let it go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you were kind of like that with the BlackBerry. I got to be honest. You were like, I, I was. These I was smartphones. Uh, these things aren't better than my BlackBerry. I remember oh, you no. saying that. And I and I, I do. I. I actually missed my BlackBerry. I loved it, but, you know, it got to the point where the operating systems were starting not to work and, and you know, people were pulling their operating systems from it. And I mean, remember when Facebook did that, the app no longer worked on my BlackBerry and, you know, just stuff like that would happen. And it's like, well, that's kind of the death knell right there, you know. Yeah, so what would happen? Yeah, if, so if I you're... had to cross over. It... I had to cross over to the dark side and get an iPhone. <laughs> And, um, but I'll always remember my Blackberry. Yeah. You never forget your first. So I was a, a Palm Pilot guy, <laughs> you know, and then I had the, yeah. I had the Palm Trio and the Palm Pre. And I was, I was very loyal to Palm, just like you were to Blackberry. I'm still loyal yeah. to my Palms, but that's a different thing. So here's what I don't understand. <laughs> I'm looking at the movie poster. They've got a uh, light bulb over one guy's head. And then the other guy's yeah. got like devil horns over his head. 
Yep. What are they trying to tell us? That's the idea man, and this is the guy who came in and screwed it all up and did did dirty deals, uh, dirty deeds that yeah. were done dirt cheap, and because of that, BlackBerry went down sooner than it should have. Sooner than it should have. Yeah, so that, that's what happens. You had these techie guys that were smart, you know, very brilliant uh, engineers and but they just they, they didn't know the business world and this this shady guy comes along and you know and and um you know at first things are going great until all of a sudden the bottom drops out and but you know without giving anything away um it's a fascinating movie and like you said it very much reminds you of yes of the social network which was a brilliant movie yeah so the, and so the this acting does remind you a lot of that acting is good you got a you got a great story that everybody can remember it's still within our recent memories and oftentimes that's a good thing like I'm thinking of uh, you know the movie Moneyball that was all fresh yes. you know I it was like well that had just happened you know like 10 years before so you kind of can quickly get into the moment which is good I mean it's nice to go back to period pieces but it, it's also good to see more recent history acted out dramatically especially when it has to do with, you know, things like Sully of, you know, landing the plane and, you know, stuff like that. Right, exactly. Yeah. So if and you, you know what? Yeah. You know, I just say, any, no matter what the subject matter, even if you sit there and go, well, how can you make a two-hour movie based on an old smartphone that didn't work or, or whatever, it's, it's all in the story, and it's all in how the, the script tells that story and keeps an audience riveted. I mean, it's funny you mentioned uh, Moneyball because that was just a brilliant movie. Yeah, it was. Oh my gosh! I, I mean, just brilliant. Brad Pitt. I mean, oh wow! I mean, what a great movie. And um, so, yeah, if it, if the story's there and it keeps an audience riveted, and believe me, if you go see Blackberry, you're going to see one hell of a story that'll keep you riveted to the screen for two hours. I I had no doubts that they could make a two hour movie about the Blackberry because I have uh, I have been witness to you complaining about the demise of the blackberry for over two hours at a clip so i know that it can be done see i have firsthand knowledge patrick but you've adapted now right i mean you're 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 an iphone guy you don't you look back fondly but you there was a period there where you were like actually mad that you weren't able to use your blackberry anymore i was pissed off wing yes you were (laughs) yes they were taking my BlackBerry away from me. How dare they? How dare they? Well, hey, here's a question I've always had: How did it get the name BlackBerry? Do they get into that at all? You know what? They, I believe they do get into that. I don't know the answer to that yet, or I'm not going to share it. Let's put it that way, because I don't want to give anything away. But yes, there is a there is a reason, or you find out why they came up with that name. Okay, I've always wondered because it's kind of random. Wouldn't you agree? It is kind of random. Yeah. It is kind of random. I mean, it's catchy. It's got a good hook and all, and I can dance to it. <laughs> but you can't dance to it. Yeah, exactly. There you go. But all right. Okay. Well, hey, Blackberry, so you this is a definite go-see as far as the box officer is concerned. This is a very much go-see. It opens in theaters everywhere nationwide uh, starting tomorrow. And believe me, it's a, it's two hours of just brilliance watching watching this unfold. Hey, you were teasing that you might at some point have movie tickets to give away. Is that still a thing or no? Yeah, it is still a thing, absolutely. All right. So maybe next week you'll not only have a review, but you might have some movie passes to give away, too? We can do that. Absolutely we can do that. See? I love it. I love Matter it. of fact, I will tease it right now because next week we're going to talk about the new Fast 10, uh, which is the 10th, of course, movie in the Fast and Furious franchise. That's going to be the movie we talk about next week. And you know what? We will give away a pair of tickets for some lucky... Las Vegas 
listener to go check it out. All courtesy of the box officer. There's nobody better, and we appreciate it. As always, Patrick, you have a good night. And you know what? If I were you, I'd go ahead and get your old BlackBerry out of a drawer and put it on the, <laughs> put it on the pillow there next to you and Monica and just, you know, gaze at it longingly. Not Monica or the Blackberry? <laughs> I'll leave that up to you, man. Okay? He's a box officer. Patrick Stibbs. The Wayne Coy Show. Packages start at $29.99 a month with signed agreement. Restrictions apply. Speak to a representative for complete offer details. See Vivint.com for license details. Terms and conditions apply. Homeowners, if you're looking for the best in home security and smart home technology at a price you can actually afford, we have great news. Now you can get Vivint's award-winning home security systems starting at about a dollar a day. U.S. News & World Report has recognized Vivint as the best professionally installed home security system of 2022. And right now, you can get Vivint's home security technology for about a dollar a day. Plus, get free professional installation from a licensed technician. Protect your home and loved ones for as low as a dollar a day. Call right now for your free home security consultation. 800-557-8030. 800-557-8036. 800-557-8036. That's 800-557-8036. Hi there, this is Kirby Schofield, Schofield Realty here in Las Vegas. Real estate is always changing. Be it a buyer's market, a seller's market. At Schofield Realty, it's your market. Buying or selling, we have the team and the tools to work the market so it works for you. We are excited that we're on the Wayne Coy Show. Our results blessed us with the Zillow Flex Partnership roughly about two years ago due to our consistent conversion and customer service scores. With conversion, that means we can close. And with our customer service scores, you know you're going to get the best service possible. We're always looking for agents led by mentorship, resources, and experience. We are your guide. Find us, kirby4u.com. That's K-I-R-B-Y, the number four, the letter U, dot com. Kirby4u.com or call 702-766-9538. Again, 702-766-9538. Do you use the expensive blue or yellow pills to charge your sex life? Are you thinking about it? What if we can promise you the same results for less than $3 a pill? If you're paying $20 a pill for the other pills, you're getting taken to the cleaners. Our pills deliver the exact same results for less than $3. You'll save more than $16 a pill for the same results. And right now, radio callers will get 44 blue or yellow pills for $120 with free discreet shipping. You can save more than $700 off pharmacy prices. Charge your sex life now and save a ton of money. Call now and get your 44 pills and save over $700 and qualify for free shipping. Stop overpaying and call right now. Paid for by Steel Man Pills. 800-431-9102-800-431-9102-800-431-9102. That's 800-431-9102. 
Do you love watching television? If you're on a fixed budget, you need to make this free call right now to Dish and find out how you can get a fixed monthly price to watch all the television you want for three full years. In addition to a three-year price guarantee, you can also get free monthly movie rentals. They give you one free movie rental every month. That's a $165 value, yours free. Plus, get free in-home tech visits, no-cost equipment replacements, a free voice remote, and you can watch commercial-free TV. Even access all your favorite apps to stream like Netflix, Amazon Prime, YouTube, and more. Now is the perfect time to call Dish. Take advantage of the three-year price guarantee. Save yourself some money and all your equipment is free. Call right now. 800-586-4206. 800-586-4206. 800-586-4206. That's 800-586-4206. Paid for by NPS. This is the Wayne Coy Show. Yeah. Are you a fan of The Voice? Have you been watching that for all the years? And it's been on for years. Have you been watching that? I was kind of an American Idol guy, so I sort of pushed back on The Voice at the beginning. But then I'll admit I got sucked into it. And some great talent has uh, graced the stage of that uh, of that show. And then gone on to some really, really cool things. And the uh, guest that we're going to be hearing from in the next half hour or so is one of those people. In fact, let's take you back to her appearance on that TV show and when she kind of knocked everybody right down in the dirt with her version of Ode to Billy Joe. This is Megan Rose, Wilder. It was the third of June, another sleepy, dusty Delta day. Yeah, I was out chopping cotton and my brother was bailing hay. That's good, that's good. And at dinner time, we stopped and walked back to the house. Oh, don't look at Adam, let's go. And Mama hollered at the back door, y'all remember, to wipe your feet. And then she said, I got some news this morning from Choctaw Ridge. Today, Billy Joel McAllister jumped off the toilet. She Absolutely rocks. Well, I mean, I guess Vegas is okay, but it ain't Nashville. Hi, Megan. Hello. How are you? I'm doing great. We got a lot of catching up to do. The last time I saw you, you were just uh, coming off The Voice. Yeah. And uh, you killed it on The Voice. It was Thank Blake, you. I think, who chose you, right? Uh started with Miley, and then Miley. Blake yeah. stole me. Yeah. In that the battle. Thief. So. That thief. <laughs> I know, right? Well, tell us about... um 
you know, go all the way back, I guess, to the beginning when you started singing and then how that led to you getting on The Voice and then eventually what got you to Nashville? Yeah. So, um, wow, all the way to the beginning. So, I mean, I've been singing for, I guess it kind of sounds cliche, but like for as long as I can remember. Um, and it was always something that I knew I wanted to do. Um, ever since I found out that it was possible that I could make music a career, I was like, that's what I want to do. Uh-huh. Um, so my parents put me in choir. Um, I did like musical theater stuff, um, voice lessons, um, all the things. They were always very supportive. Um, and then, then I found out that I loved country music and I was like, cool. So that's kind of the, the genre. How did you find out that you loved country? Cause I know you're from the Bay area. It's not exactly a, a bastion for country music. Yeah, not at all. Um, I think there were like, there was maybe one or two, um, country music, like radio stations, um, yeah. when I was growing up and my dad, one. Always, yeah, yeah, I yeah. think probably. Um, and so my dad would put that on like when we were driving and, um, especially when I was really young, my dad was kind of the one that would drive us everywhere. And so he was like the DJ in the car and he would put, um, that radio station on, or like he would play just like CDs. I remember he had, um, one CD and I forget what radio station it was, but it was just like all of like the top hits at the time that were being played on the radio. And so there was yeah. like a bunch of country on there. Um, and then I discovered Taylor Swift, um, and became like obsessed with her and you a Swifty right from the get go. Yes. Yes. And I feel like I'm less of a Swifty now. It's funny. She was just in Nashville all weekend. She sold out all three nights at Nissan. Right. Wasn't there um, some kind of, there was a, like a tech issue or something, right? A problem like people had was, to wait outside or something. There was a uh, delay. There was a huge thunderstorm on Sunday night. That's what and was, yeah. so there was like a four hour delay. Um, so she didn't go on her sets like three and a half hours. Um, and so she didn't go on until I think 11 okay. and played until like nearly 2 a.m. I bet nobody moved. They were like, no. yep, we're ready. Yeah. Everybody's yeah. like, this is great. I think now, they, there was just a lot of lightning, so they made everybody go inside. But. That's a safe thing to do. Now, when you say, yeah. though, that you're less of a Swifty now, what do you mean? Um, I guess, I I mean, I still love all of her music. I'm just not as, like, obsessed with her as I was Yeah. when I was in, like, middle school. And Did she drop the restraining order now? Is it uh, all, everything's cleared up? Yeah, everything's good now. <laughs> I can get within a thousand feet. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah. So, so you had this little taste of country thanks to, uh, to dad DJs, by the way, are very underrated. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know, Savannah, my daughter, mm-hmm. and she, uh, tells me many times, she goes, I will stop and go, why do I know this song? And then I go, cause my dad rammed it through my ears for 10 years. <laughs> yeah. Every, right. Every road trip. Yeah. Yep. And of course, like when we're younger, we're like, oh, this song. And then we're, we get older and we're like, that's actually a really good song. Yeah. Glad that I, glad that I learned that one. Oh, that works. Okay. So, so you had the taste, you got a little bit of the bug for country, but then you went kind of in a pop direction at first, right? Um, a little bit. Yeah. A lot of what I was singing, I guess, in like competitions and stuff was pop music, like Alicia Keys and, um, who else? Like Kelly Clarkson, I think I would do and, um, people like that. And then, then Carrie Underwood, one American Idol, she got really big. And so I started like listening to her music. And, um, when I started taking voice lessons, when I was in like, I think I was in like seventh grade, um, 
a lot of times I would have to bring in a song to work on and I would always bring in country songs, but I didn't really like think about it like that. It was just like, these are the songs that I like. Um, and my vocal coach at the time was like, Oh, like, so you're into country music. And I was like, I guess I, guess I, am. I am. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and she was like, I mean, it suits your voice really well. And, um, you know, if you love it, like, is that the direction you want to go? And I was like, yeah, I think so. And it wasn't like a, I had to make that decision right then and there, but, um, but I did. And yeah. So that's kind of how I chose slash got into country music and, um, yeah. And stayed in voice lessons for a really long time and kept doing the competitions and, you know, performing as much as I could. Um, when did you know that you were like good enough to do this for a living? Man. Yesterday? No. I don't know if I even, if I've ever had that like kind of thought process. Like I'm, I'm very lucky that I get to do this full time and that, um, that this is like, that this is my career. Um, but I don't know that I've ever been like, Oh, I'm good enough to, to do this for a living. It's always just kind of been like, that would be so much fun. And nothing else has ever sounded even like remotely like as fun as because it isn't. No. Well, and, and that's the thing is it's like, I've tried, you know, to do other things for day jobs and I'm just not, it just didn't, didn't work. Wasn't it? And even if you had one, Megan, you would be thinking the entire time about your singing. I mean, you, you could go through the motions maybe at a job. Yep. And I've, I've tried to explain that to people, Nancy, but, um, if you're, if you're creative, it's real hard to do anything but create, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know that I ever necessarily had that exact thought of like, Oh, maybe I'm good enough at this that I could do this as a career, but it was more of just like, this is what I want to do. And I've always kind of known that. And so that's just always been the plan. Mm -hmm. So how do you find Nashville and don't say turn left on 95? How do you, (laughs) I mean, seriously, what do you think of the city? Cause it is like its own world. You're in a, you're in a different place there. I know a couple of people have made the move. One of them still there. One of them said, I can't deal with this and I got to go. And they left. So yeah. what do you think? What do you think of the city so far? Music city. I love it so much. Um, it's funny because before I moved here, I had been here one other time for like a few days just to check it out. But mm-hmm. I was just immediately like, yes, I love it here. This is the place. Um, I also moved here like eight, eight months before the pandemic. Um, so I've always kind of said, like, if I could fall in love with a city during a pandemic, like imagine what it's going to be like when it's back to normal and now it's back to normal and I'm really happy and loving it. Um, there's just, that's a great analogy. That's like you, you, like you're married, you know, or you're dating yeah. and you're like, you're like if I was able to put up with them through the time that we never spoke, and there was nothing to do and we yeah. never left the house. Yeah. <laughs> then wow, I guess things are okay, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh. Um <laughs> but uh but yeah, so I'm loving it and um there's just so much opportunity um and no shortage of things to do and I mean if you're into live music and all of that, I mean it's just it's heaven on earth. It's everywhere, yeah. yeah. But 
to that end, is it so overexposed and so available that it's hard for somebody to break through because the competition is obviously severe and everybody's in the lifestyle. So Mm -hmm. it's like being an actor in Hollywood. It's hard. Exactly. Yeah, it is really hard. Um, it's yeah. Like you said, there's, I mean, there's just so much talent everywhere. So it is really hard. Um, I'm fortunate enough to have been, you know, given some opportunities to just play around town and play at certain places regularly. So I am able to do it full time. Um, but it's, I mean, it's, it's rough. Like (laughs) I just, I had to learn to, um, be annoying as far as like emailing people and following up. Um, for a long time, I was really scared of like, okay, I'm going to send one follow-up email. And if I don't hear back, then I'm done. That's it. They don't, they don't want it. But then as I kind of got further into it, I realized like, okay, there's one booking agent for this venue. And so many of us, like more than likely, they just didn't see my email. And so I just do it again, do it again. Hi, Mm -hmm. just wanted to follow up. Like love to come play. And eventually they do get back to you and there like have been times where they've been like, Hey, thanks so much. But like the answer is no. And <laughs> that's fine. Thanks, but no thanks. Yeah. yeah. And that's fine. But it's more of just like a, like, Hey, sorry, I didn't see your email. Like we actually, our roster's full. Like we don't need any more new artists or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's great. But yeah, sometimes it takes like four or five times following up. And so, so as far as the package goes, um, you have management, you have agency, you have record label. Sometimes, uh, mm-hmm. are you doing all of those things? Do you have all of that? Are you out looking for mm-hmm. that in Nashville or what? I have none of that. <laughs> I'm completely. So you're doing it all by yourself. I'm doing it all myself. I'm completely 100% wow. independent. Um, like literally everything, uh, press, like all of it mm-hmm. is me. Um, I write my own press releases. I, pitch to everybody. Did you I, write that bio that you sent to me? I did. It's very good. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So, but, but at some point you're, you know, you're going to have to be focused on creating and it's going to be mm-hmm. hard for you to do all of that. So how do you pick and choose correctly? Because it's a sea of sharks. You're in Nashville. There's a rip off yeah. artist around every corner and you got to mm-hmm. be super, super careful. So how do you navigate that? Do you have, do you have somebody who's already been through it that you lean on for advice? Um, you know, that's a good question. Um, I do know a few people that I could absolutely go to for advice that are either, um, have experience in the industry or also going through what you're you know, going through, what I eventually hopefully will be going through yeah. <laughs> in the future yeah. as far as maybe signing a record deal or publishing deal or whatever. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've met a lot of people out here that, that just know the business. Um, And then also just like the number one piece of advice that I've gotten from people um, that have either been through it or, or work in the industry is like, when that time comes, get a lawyer. Oh yeah. Like first thing. And lawyer up. Yeah. It used to be, used to be cowboy up. Now it's lawyer up. Now it's lawyer up. And that's smart by the way. Yeah. 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 Because you just don't know what you're getting into. I mean, I don't, I have have no idea. If somebody were to just present me with some contract, I'd be like, I have, no idea what any of this means. Right. Um, so, but yes, to answer your question. Yes. I, I'm very lucky that I've, I've got, um, some people that, that are, you know, kind of know more 
than mm-hmm. I do how that works. Um, yeah. And, yeah. Well, because you want to be able to focus at some point on, like I said, creation, mm-hmm. but you can't do that if the whole time you're worried about, did the club call back? I don't know. Did I miss a message? I got to check my phone and see, oh, I sent the guy two texts, but he hasn't gotten back to me. Wait a minute. I need a press release out by tomorrow. I mean, there's a reason why people yeah. do those things for a living, but mm-hmm. it's all, it's all, um, you know, there's a cost to everything. Yeah. So that I, I think the number one advice for whether you're an aspiring actor, broadcaster, actress, singer, musician, anytime somebody's asking you for money up front, run, don't walk. You mm-hmm. know, because yeah. if you're if you're good, it works the other way around. You're going to make the money. They'll get a percentage or whatever you work out. Exactly. They're certainly not standing there right up front at the beginning, because usually those people will take a couple headshots and run. Yep, or, exactly. or record a demo and run. Now you had some experience very early in your career, uh, with an, with an independent studio. And I remember you had recorded some demos before you ever got on the voice. And you yeah. had, as I recall, you had a good relationship with that producer. So is that what you're looking for? Like somebody that you can vibe with in the studio or, or do you have that? Um, Based on I, what I just heard, I think you found it already. Yes. Yeah. I'm slowly but surely just kind of building, building my little team of people, um, which has been great. Um, yeah. And so the person that I've been working with, um, a lot lately, his name's Wilson Macbeth and, um, he's incredible. What's his real name? Wilson Macbeth. Yeah. Right. What's his real name? <laughs> Is it really know, Wilson right? Macbeth? Yep. That's his wow. name. I know. Isn't that nuts? That's a great um, name. Yeah, it's great. Um, and he's the best. He's so talented and just very, um, like just he's, so he's a producer that I've been working with and, um, we work very well together. He actually does a lot of pop. Um, and I think I'm like one of the only, I might be wrong, but I think I'm one of the only country artists that he works with. Mm -hmm. Um, just, I approached him and was like, Hey, I, you know, I heard this girl's song and I love what you do. And I'm, you know, country artist, but I think that I do, I mean, like I do pop country. So I was like, I think we could work well together. And, um, yeah, so he produced the last single. Um, he, I just recorded, um, just got done recording with him last week for the next one, uh, working with him on the one after that in June, and then got another one, uh, that we'll record, I think in August. Um, so these are yeah. your babies. They're all lining up to be born. That's yeah, great. I know. It's, it's crazy. It's really, how exciting. do you, how do you assess when it's time to move on to, you know, single number two or an EP or an album or how do you know all of that? Um, right now, uh, I think for me and I think for a lot of independent artists, it's really just kind of like throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks. And, um, the beauty of being an independent artist is that I can do literally whatever I want. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have nobody telling me what to release, what not to release. Oh, this right. isn't going to work well. And again, it's all, you know, labels do that with best interest, sure. um, with your best, best interest in mind. But, um, right now I can kind of just really figure it out and, and just see like, okay, what do, what do I like? Um, and what do my fans like? And you know, what's, what's sticking? Um, but, uh, I guess right now singles are really, especially for an independent artist, the most cost effective way. You know, you know, pretty quick if it's, if it's resonating or it isn't, they'll either salute the flag or they won't. And then you can move on. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, 
And I think for me, I've only got three singles out right now. So, um, only. the plan, <laughs> the plan is to, uh, release, I'm doing three more this year. Um, and then we'll just kind of see what happens and, and go from there. But, um, I'll probably do maybe one or two more next year and then, then maybe an EP, um, and go from there. But I'm kind of just seeing where the next three, um, take me as well. And cause that's going to take me through the end of the end of the year, um, almost, uh, late October and then November, December is like holiday time. Yeah. So take some time for yourself. Sure. So yeah. you, when you have meetings with the label, you're having meetings with yourself. That's kind of cool. Yeah, exactly. Do you ever just get <laughs> up and, and walk out of meetings with yourself? <laughs> I'm like, I'm busy. I'm in a That's meeting. Right. I said that to us. Have your people call my people. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. You are my people. Uh, yes. So is Macbeth, that is his name, really? Yeah, Wilson Macbeth. Wilson Macbeth. Okay. Yeah. Is Will is Wilson uh, part of your creative process for all of this music you're talking about? So um, he is like, he produces all of it. As far as the sound goes, yes. Um, we will, I'll send him a work tape. Um, you know, before, and we'll just kind of talk about it. And I, I like to, I do the same thing with my photographer, but I like to send them the work tape. And before I even say anything, just find out like, okay, what's the first thing that came to your mind? What do you don't lead the witness? Yeah. Let them yeah. tell you. Cause they, they're, I mean, I'm working with them for a reason. They are also mm -hmm. creatives. And if we can just kind of take our ideas and agree on something and you know they might think of something that i never even thought of but like is the coolest thing ever um yeah. and so i like to do that with will um and my photographer her name's lauren lauren hayes she's great um and uh are those the uh, the recent uh pictures that we've seen like on on your social media did she yes. take those she oh, did very yeah she's great yeah. yeah she's fantastic um and uh but as far as the writing goes um so i wrote ain't that crazy with, um, Cole Miracle, Steven Diaz, and then Andrew Hannigan. Um, and, um, I, the, actually the two out of the three that I'm releasing later this year, I wrote with Cole and Steven as well. So um, kind of the then, same little group. Yeah. 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 And, um, yeah, so they're very also obviously very involved in the creative process and some of my favorite people in Nashville to work with. And, um, yeah. what's yeah. the writing process like? I mean, how does that work? Somebody Ooh. write the music, somebody else writes the lyrics. It really know. depends. Um, a lot of times, like one of us will come in with, you know, a hook idea, a title, a concept, um, yeah. maybe a little bit of a chorus and, um, usually we all will kind of just pitch our ideas and then we're like, okay, yeah, we like that. We all like, we want to write that. Let's do that. Um, and, uh, Steven Diaz, he's great, great guitarist, um, great writer as well, but he's, um, he always comes up with like really cool, just like chord progressions and little riffs and, uh, fun things that we can yeah. kind of just add, um, that's like ear candy and kind of like the bones of like the work tape that I like to, still try and like incorporate in actual, um, final product. So, right. Yeah. Don't bore us get to the chorus. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so every song's different then it, it just depends 
on the tune. Do you have to all agree before you decide, okay, we're going to get serious about this and record it properly? Or do um, you have the, or do you have, I mean, you are Megan after all. You get the final say. Yeah. I, um, I mean, Cole and Steven, Steven does some of the, some of the artist stuff. Cole mostly is just a songwriter. So, um, but usually we'll just, we kind of like establish during the right, like, okay, you know, who are, who are we writing this for? Um, and so if it's for me, I'll just text them and be like, Hey, like I texted them the other day and was just like, Hey, just, you know, in the studio recording the next single. And they're like, yeah. (laughs) Um, so yeah. So they don't necessarily know when you finished, they don't know if it's going to go any further than, Hey, this was something we wrote together and we all like. So nobody's out there like on the front line going, this is for this project or this is for this artist. Cause I'm guessing from what you just said, you're possibly writing for other artists besides yourself. Yes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, and a lot of times too, like after we write something, if we're writing for me, I just know like if I'm going to cut it or not. And, um, and so if the answer is yes, I'm just like, all right, cool. I'm really excited. I want to release this. And so they know like, okay, yeah, we're probably, this is probably going to come out eventually. Um, so yeah, but then there are other times where, um, you know, I'll be in the room with, with other writers, other people, and we're writing for them or, um, or just to pitch, you know, if we, we like an idea and we yeah. want to write about it, but it doesn't necessarily resonate with any of the artists in the room, but we know some people that it might resonate with. We can, we'll, we'll finish Bingo. it up and yeah. send it to them and see if they're interested. Do you, uh, do you prioritize between the two? If you had to, if you had to choose, would you rather be a performer or a songwriter? Oh man, that's hard. Ugh. I had to choose. That's really hard. Yeah. That's why I asked it. Yeah. I I honestly, I don't know if I could. Um, There's something so special about performing your songs that you wrote. Mm -hmm. Um, Not that, you know, because there are plenty of artists, too, that will cut songs that were written by other people and they're still just special. Your city is full of songwriters, professional songwriters. Yeah. So obviously there's artists out there looking for songs. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And and sometimes it's like, you know, somebody will an artist will hear a song and be like, wow, that's you took the words right out of my mouth. And it's like mm-hmm. it's almost like they wrote it because they connect with it so much. So but I do really love performing as well. I don't know. I feel like I would. That's so hard. Uh, man. Stumped her right there. Marked the point in the interview where at 23 minutes in, Megan said, no mas. That's it. I can't choose. (laughs) Okay. Well, maybe this is easier. If you had to choose between performing live Mm -hmm. and recording, which, which is the preference for you? Performing live. Really? Yeah. See, I lost that bet. I'm in Vegas. I bet on that and I lost. So <laughs> no, I, I would have thought based on everything you just told me that the recording process and the writing process was what was really ringing your bell. But you like that immediate response you get from a live audience, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that there's just, there's just something really special about, um, about performing your own songs live. It's just kind of like, I don't really know how to explain it. Like recording is one thing because there's a very, specific sound and a specific way that you want it to come across in that 
recording, but like live, it's just kind of like magic and it's just there and you can feel the energy of the people in the room and, um, and they can feel the energy from you. And it's just kind of like this, I don't know. I just think that live music in general just brings people together. And especially in today's world, that's just kind of what we need. And so I think that if performing live, like wasn't a thing, it would just be, it wouldn't be as, as special. It's always special to write your own music and to record it and to know that people are listening to it. Like that's amazing. But to be there in the room with those people, it's just a completely different experience. Yeah. So what about the idea of somebody says to you, okay, well, Megan, we want you to be the opening act for pick an artist. Okay. And that means you're going to be on a bus for the entire summer and you're mm-hmm. going to have to tour and one nighters and all of that. Are you ready for that? Or is that something you even want to think about doing or where are you at with that? Yeah, I would absolutely love so nothing. Touring more. would be okay for you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, again, you're in a town full of agents. Go. Yeah. I mean, there's got to be somebody out there looking for you. I would think, I mean, uh, we've just been blown away by your talent since day one. Oh, so speaking of, let's go back to what we heard before we started, which was you on the voice. Are you glad you did it or it was, cause I've heard blessing or a curse. Sometimes it can be both. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm absolutely so happy that I, that I got to do that and that I even had that opportunity because it's hard, um, to even, you know, it's again, there's so much competition and, um, how I got on that show. God only knows. Um, (laughs) but, uh, but yeah, no, I'm absolutely, I mean, I met some of the most amazing people that I'm still like really close with to this day, um, through that show. And my life would look a whole lot different. Um, if I wasn't on that show, um, I wouldn't have met my now fiance. Um, so that, so there's that. Yeah. So there's that. Um, and that's always crazy <laughs> to think about too. So, cause, uh, I met him, Andrew, uh, through one of my friends that I was on the show with. Okay. Um, I moved here to Nashville and she, a few months before I moved here, she was like, Hey, I heard you're moving to Nashville. Like I, do you want to live together? I need a roommate. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I moved in with her. Everything's then, cheaper. Sign me up. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's like, <laughs> where do I sign? Um, but, uh, yeah. And so then I moved in and maybe like literally a week later, she was like, you and my friend Andrew would be so good together. And I was like, immediately no absolutely not like never met him had no idea who he was but i was just, why are you I, trying to set me up yeah yeah i was like i'm just not here for that um and uh i was just so new too that i was just like that's the last thing on my mind right now um and uh yeah now we're getting married next june so congratulations <laughs> thank you yeah, yeah that's huge yeah okay nice. well and he's obviously cool with your career yeah yeah yeah. He's is, very and he's, supportive. And is he in the music business as well? He, yes, he writes, um, and he produces and oh, plays okay. and all that good stuff. So yeah, he like, any, any chance the two of you will work together on stuff? Yeah, we have, he, so, uh, he is the Andrew that I wrote. Ain't that crazy with? Oh, but, gotcha. Yes. I just figured I would, you know, would have been like a weird. I didn't hear a Shakespearean last name, so I wasn't yeah. sure how to react. <laughs> You're like, I don't know. Um, yeah. yeah. So he's one of the writers on Ain't That Crazy. And then my single before that, if I knew, um, I wrote with him and our friend Whitney Dean. 
Oh, um, he's a good he, writer. He's a great writer. Yeah. And he co-produced oh. that one, um, with our friend Whitney and, um, yeah. So no, we've, we've worked together and, so it's a uh, team. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm traveling this summer for some gigs. And so, um, he's playing on one of them with me and, um, yeah. Now what happens with the last name? Because if I remember you were Megan Rose for a while. I was. Now, is that your middle name or is it, it is. do you just pull that? Oh, okay. And oh, then yeah. Rose is the middle name. And now Megan Wilder, where'd that mm-hmm. come from? I honestly have no idea. <laughs> I really couldn't tell you. I yeah. just was kind of like, Rose is really like, I know a lot of people that their artist names are like something Rose or I'd heard of people like their artist yeah. name is insert first name and then Rose. And so I was just kind of like, well, I got to do something different and my real last name's not going to work. So <laughs> darn right. It isn't, uh, we like, don't even have, a, we were going to do a crawl with your real last name and the computer just said, no. Yeah. So, she was like, uh, no, that's, that's too, yeah, that's <laughs> too many letters. So yeah. wilder that's what's well, wilder that you just pulled that out of thin air, I guess. Yeah. I really, people ask me all the time, like, where did that come from? And I'm like, couldn't tell you. I the no only idea. two wilders I know would be, uh, the actor Gene Wilder, right? Who was okay. in, uh, do you know who that is? Uh, I Willy like Wonka. I've heard that name before. Oh yeah, yeah. The, the original Willy Wonka. He was yeah. Willy Wonka. Okay. Okay. And then uh, Matthew Wilder was a singer songwriter who had one hit and then went away. Break my stride. You remember that one? Ain't yes. nothing gonna break my stride. Break I think it's stride. been. Sa- yeah. I think it's been sampled and used again or yeah. redone or somebody's got it in a rap song or something. But Probably. anyway, those yeah. those are the two Wilders I know. You are already the most famous of the three Wilders. So. There you go. <laughs> At least with me, anyway. You know. <laughs> well, shoot, man. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna play some of the new music here as we wrap up. And uh, in fact, we'll play your news. This is your new single. Ain't that crazy? Yeah. 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 See, I I think that you know you do a great job with it, but I think if if uh, some of those top tier artists like uh, Taylor Swift were to hear this, they'd be like, oh, we're we're, we're gonna record that. Oh my gosh! Thank you. Well, what would you do? Would you just freak? Go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Be like here. Be like, um, I, I would start it. shopping for a house because me and Andrew are about to step it up a little bit. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of money when a big artist does your song, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There, I mean, there's also when a big artist <laughs> does. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of people involved um, and they want to make money, too. So, sure. yes, there is a lot. <laughs> yeah. But a hey, lot of money for selfish like reasons, though, I would prefer that doesn't happen and that you be the one that gets all the, uh, the success and the accolades that go with it. Your performance is great. And, uh, everybody that I've played it for just loves the song. So we're going to play that. It's kind of our way out of here, but you promise you'll stay in touch. Absolutely. You will. Yes. Okay. Of course. Don't forget our number. And when, <laughs> hey, and when you're in Vegas, make sure you let us know so we can see you. Okay. I will. Yes. Right. Absolutely. And hi to mom and dad. All right. Yes. Okay. I there she goes. Know. Megan Wilder. Don't call her Rose because that's not my name. The way you okay. <laughs> giving me some perspective. Seeing things that I never noticed. Now that my front door is broken, I can see through all the smoking mirrors. Your ex is that crazy? And 
One listen, uh, just one time, hear that, and you go, yep, I love it, every bit of it. That is Megan Wilder, Ain't That Crazy. Uh, you're hearing it here on the radio now, maybe for the first time, but I have a feeling you're going to be hearing it quite a bit. And what a what a great uh, conversation, just a, a well-rounded, very centered lady, and uh, we've watched her grow up. So that's, that's kind of neat when you see somebody get all mature, you know, and I know you're like, well, Wayne, when's that going to happen for you? You might have to wait for a while, okay? <laughs> it might be uh, a little ways down the road. The Wayne Coy Show. Hi there, this is Kirby Scofield with Scofield Realty here in Las Vegas. Real estate is always changing. Be it a buyer's market, a seller's market. At Scofield Realty, it's your market. Buying or selling, we have the team and the tools to work the market so it works for you. We are excited that we're on the Wayne Coy Show. Our results blessed us with the Zillow Flex partnership roughly about two years ago due to our consistent conversion and customer service scores. With conversion, that means we can close. And with our customer service scores, you know you're going to get the best service possible. We're always looking for agents led by mentorship, resources, and experience. We are your guide. Find us. Kirby4U.com. That's K-I-R-B-Y, the number four, the letter U.com. Kirby4U.com or call 702-766-9538. Again, 702-766-9538. Buckle up. Let's go for a ride. It's the Wayne Coy Show. stepped into one of those one-word clubs on the Vegas Strip, uh, you have. It's, it's time for another edition of uh, of the Wayne Coy Show, getting down and dirty with comedians. I don't know how dirty we're going to get, but we're going to get down. As Spiro is here, uh, Mike Krasner is here, and what they both have in common is that they are both road comedians, yet at the same time they are Las Vegas home comedians. They make Vegas their home, and that in and of itself can be a challenge. So first of all, welcome to the show, you guys. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Thank you for having us. It's great. I'm excited to be here. Now, Mike's uh, mobile. He's uh, he's headed where? Where are you going, Mike? Yeah, I'm good now. I just got to my destination, so I'm okay now. Okay. And you were coming back from Laughlin, though, right? <laughs> uh, one more time. That's okay. I said you're, you're coming back from Laughlin. <laughs> yes, yes. I've made it alive. I'm back, back in Las Vegas. Sure. All right. Well, can you guys speak to that uh, in terms of what it's like to be 
uh, traveling like Mike is here or stationary like Spiro is here. But either way, you guys are both based in Vegas. How is it uh, in terms of getting enough work to live and keep the lights on? It, um, it takes a lot of work in the beginning. I mean, there's a lot of clubs. There's a lot of opportunity. But, I mean, there's a lot of really good comics out here as well. So, I mean, a lot of clubs have rotations. A lot of clubs have certain people. So, I mean, you got to scratch and claw your way a little bit. You got to get some recommendations. You got to just keep keep getting better, keep getting funnier, and hopefully people take notice. Spiro, how long have you been here? In Vegas? Ooh, 16 years? 15 years? You're a local. I mean, I'm a local. How how have you seen the local comedy scene change? I mean, it's just, we're so young. We're so young compared to other cities. We have, and we have, especially before the pandemic, but then during and after the pandemic, we had a lot of other comics from other scenes come to our scene so then you hear their opinions on things and you see how they handle things and you just realize that we're still such a baby scene compared to like other places which has its advantages and has its disadvantages of course but um i think that's one thing that people really don't know about vegas is the local scene is just we're probably what maybe 15 years maybe 10 years so that's a baby compared to those other markets yeah yeah so it's it's different. It's there's a lot of different with us for sure. How's that affected the competitive part of it? Um, are there more and more comics like yourself showing up in town, ready to go? Okay, I'm diving in, and I want to be a part of this scene here. Or do you find that uh, because it's maybe because it's new, or because there are quite a few of you that they're staying away and going to other cities? And how does it compare? Um, it. <laughs> It's it's got its weird dynamic to it. So we do have a lot of like headliners that come here and they hub here because obviously it's a little bit cheaper from California or from some other places they're at. It's a good place to just travel, you know, travel anywhere because everywhere goes to Vegas, everywhere leaves from Vegas. So um, as far as the competition, I don't know, Mike, maybe I might be out of the loop, but I don't see a weird competitiveness to it. It's almost like we get these new people come in and it's just opens up new like relationships and new areas that we could go to and perform in. Um, you know, we, we obviously would love all the stage time in the world, but it's good to have a good variety of people from different towns and experiences. And we get to absorb all that in. So I really don't see it too competitive, but I might be wrong. Mike, what about you? I mean, there was a lot of like during the pandemic and post pandemic, a lot of headliners and comedians, started moving to Las Vegas, just like Spiro said, for cheap, and it's easier to get around. But, I mean, that's going to happen anywhere. People are going to move in, and there have been times where they would get stage time that we, other comics, and then they were seen, or whatever might not have happened. It's not really a necessary level of competition, because it's friendly competition. You see some guy growing to town, and he's getting on all the stages, you know, it makes you push yourself that much harder to try to get back to his level, you know, get on that stage and stuff. So it's competition, but it's it's not bad. It's not I mean, I don't even know if I would necessarily call it competition in its traditional sense. It's just there's a lot of there's a lot of fish in this sea. But there's also a lot of a lot of places that you can um you know make work out of it too. So 
if you do everything right, you know, everybody can eat. Do you find yourself, though, I mean, I know like in L.A., it's very common for for you guys to go from one club to another club to another club. And uh, <laughs> Debbie Gutierrez was telling us last week where she had a comedy buddy that would go with her, keep the car running outside, and then they would basically switch places. Like she'd go on stage and she'd run out, get in the car, he'd go in, he'd go on stage, and then they'd go do that at another club. And that's just crazy to me. I just I can't fathom that that much uh, activity great. just to be able yeah. to work you know yeah well i don't think in we Vegas, don't really have that it's, yeah it's that it's that crazy because you could do multiple yeah. shows here in vegas but la has like club next to club next to bar that does comedy this and that so mm-hmm. you can probably do it within a vicinity vegas has casinos with parking garages and structures and traffic so you could do stuff like that, multiple shows in a night, but you'd have to catch like maybe a six o'clock, an eight o'clock, a 10, a seven, a nine, and a 12. You'd have to space it out and kind of, I mean, there are times you can do an eight, get off on stage and then make it to a nine if the proximity is close enough. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, there's no like me and Spira wouldn't be waiting in a getaway car, waiting, switching spots. No, it's, but it does get pretty, uh, I don't know. I was thinking it sounded yeah. like a like a job opportunity for me. I maybe throw my hat in the ring to be that guy, you know, driving you from club to club. So, how long are you typically on stage? Where are you at in your in terms of how much are you asked to do versus how much you can do? I mean, that stage. Go, yeah, okay. go ahead, Mike. You interrupting car driver? You? I'm I'm stopped. I got no hands on the wheel. See, so horrifying. What are you it doing? Um, we're, I'm, I'm in that stage where I do anywhere from like 10 to 30, like a, a night, depending on what, what the venue is, what I'm asked to do. So, uh, each night I'm just prepared to do anywhere between one of those two numbers. So, and I'm comfortable doing it. I have a lot of fun doing it. I'm still growing, still, uh, working hard to make it tighter and everything like that. But that's, it's probably my range right now. Do you know going in? Okay. This club means. And this particular set, based on who's on the bill, I'm, I already know I'm doing 15, or do you find out when you get there? You, you usually have an idea of like, you know, you're like, oh, I'm featuring. I'm probably going to do anywhere from like 15 to 20 or 15 to 25, depending on which club. And then you go in there expecting to do it. And then sometimes, obviously, some things change or you have to do more. You have to do less based off the lineup or the show starting on time or, or somebody goes know, late. Someone goes long. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, you got to be flexible, but it's usually you usually have a pretty good idea. And then we've we've been doing it for so long and we do it so much that we kind of we're good at uh, being on the fly, especially working with Butch. He, you know, you never know what kind of time you're going to do with Butch. He'll give you more. He'll give you less. He'll bump you off the show. In a friendly way, you know, <laughs> in a very right. kind and That's loving right, Butch. way. I'm still bringing it up, Butch. Yeah. Uh, no, but it's <laughs> he 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 gives us that flexibility all the time, so it it really helps us whenever, or at least helps me whenever I go anywhere else and I need to make adjustments because I'm used yeah. to it by now. Mike, are you in that same range at uh, 15 to 30 minutes? It varies. I mean, also what Spirit was saying, like every show is different. Like there are times when you'll host a show, feature a show, headline a show. So I've done shows where I've done 45 to an hour. I've done shows where I host it and I'm doing seven. Yeah. So just like, just like Spiro said, you gotta be prepared for whatever. But when you get booked on a show, they'll 
tell you what the times are. They're back. Like, right, you're featuring. It's 20 minutes, 15 minutes, 30 minutes. Every club has a different time. Like some clubs you feature and it's 20 minutes. Some clubs you feature and it's 30 minutes. Some clubs you host and it's seven. Some clubs you host and it's 15. Wow. Headlining 30 an hour. So it really all depends. Yeah. So and you've, got, you've got to adjust your act accordingly, right? I mean, you, you have 25, 30 minutes worth of material and all of a sudden they tell you you're doing 12 and you have to figure out, okay, who am I losing? Which one of my babies doesn't make the trip this time? Yeah. You got to figure out what to cut. And there are times when you just go, when you're on stage and you're following your, your game plan, hmm. somebody will yell something out. Or do something that will derail the joke, and then you just have to abandon the joke, and then go maybe do some crowd work, or switch to another joke that's similar, where you can make it sound organic. So a lot of times you do have to cause an audible, and then uh, you know it throws your timing off because you know if you're doing all your jokes, you know where 12 minutes is, you know where 15 minutes is, but then when you start veering off, that's when. Uh, you lose yourself a little bit and you just got to get on yeah. track or wait for the light or keep creating moments. I mean, it's just like football. You have a play, but sometimes the play gets blown up, you know? Yep. Unless you're Derek Carr and you're playing for Josh McDaniels, then you just, <laughs> yeah, I get it. So, Hey Mike, well, how long, how long have you been here? I pretty much with Spiro. I've been, uh, I've been in Vegas 15 years was February. Wow. February turned 15 years. Congratulations wow. to both of you. I mean, that's a that's, that's a long time to be in a scene. Are you, at place, are you at, are you at that place in your lives where you don't have to have a day job and you can just strictly focus on on comedy? In this economy, what are you, what are you talking about? Man? Yeah, <laughs> I um, uh, I've been doing a lot better lately. I do it. Um, I bartend on Monday and Tuesdays. At okay. the, the comedy club, and then Wednesday to Sunday, I, I I perform. So I do about six shows a week. So if I took away my bartending shifts, yeah, I could manage, but they they help. Oh, I bet. Yeah, um, John Caparulo was telling us he was actually security at the, the club in L.A., and then he would go upstairs and perform, and then come back down and sweep the floors, and the audience he just performed for. Would be like walking through the place he was cleaning up. That's yeah, crazy. Done, I used to do that a couple of years ago at the comedy club. I was a seater, and I would be doing sound and stuff like that. And there were times where I would seat everybody, take them to their seats, and then like another comment, the host didn't show up, or something happened, and I had to go up and host. So <laughs> all the people that I just seated, yeah. I, I have to go tell jokes for, but it kind of worked out because I'm the kind of guy who like when I'm seating people, I'm like making jokes with them. I'm trying to feel the crowd out, see what kind they are. So when I went up there and hosted, I kind of already knew what I was dealing with crowd wise because I had one on one interactions with all of them. Right. So sometimes it worked to my benefit. I can make a joke about like, oh, I'm also seating and I'm cleaning up after. So take your cups with you or whatever. And get like a couple of laughs before I even start going. So it lightens the mood. So yeah, yeah. we've seen that a bunch of times. Yeah, unless yeah. you stuck them in a crappy seat and then they're not happy with you, right? You gotta, yeah. you gotta live up yeah. to that. Uh, what about you, Spiro? Have you, do you, have you, are you able to just do comedy or do you have to do something else to keep the lights on? So I, I currently am doing other stuff to keep the lights on. 
uh, had some crazy years that, uh, struck the financial situation pretty hard. So, uh, I'm working again, but what's nice is I get to, um, I'm working over at the strat and they know I do comedy. So it's literally, I work during the day there and then I go right over to the comedy club at night and perform. So yeah, I literally the same thing. Like people will scream at me about their hotel rooms and then they'll come and try to laugh at my jokes. Wait a minute. You're the guy that stuck me over there near the construction. I'm not happy with you. That's right. You're the Uh, guy that wouldn't validate my parking. Why am I going to laugh at you? Yeah. By the way, they're they're, they're charging now to park over there. Even Times are tough at the Strat. So uh, do you have a favorite kind of room that you like to work? I mean, uh, I'm guessing it's mostly clubs, right? I mean, how, how often are you doing uh, theaters or colleges or anything like that at this point? Um, it may, it's mainly clubs. I've done a couple like, uh, theaters and like, I guess like mini arenas with uh, a few headliners that have brought me on the road. So I've gotten to experience that, which is a lot of fun clubs, you know, they're always fun depending on the club that you're in. Some clubs are a little more difficult than others, but, uh, even like a good, like, bar show at like a dive bar where there's like a couple people paying attention and it's just a place where you get to like say whatever you want and work on some like just really raw premises to try to work them out that's also a lot of fun so uh i try to find the good with wherever i go but there are some that are a little more difficult than others for sure but hey background for me is that i started down your path and then okay got really tired of not making any money or barely making any at all. And after, uh, after a while you realize that, you know, you got to pay your rent and you got to, you know, if you have a girlfriend, you got to be able to afford to take her out to dinner or whatever. So I chose radio 40 years ago, but I was on that parallel path where I was doing stand up, you know, in the Bay area. And I was going to school to learn the radio thing. And I chose radio because, well, cause you got to check every, every week, you know, right. which was nice. And there were a lot of nights where I was not going on till one or two in the morning and be just two drunk people left in the club. And although that did give me the ability to say that I was on the same bill as Robin Williams, never mind that oh. he was on at nine o'clock at night and I didn't go on till two 30 in the morning. Didn't matter. <laughs> Doesn't matter. It's, it's a credit, right? So where are you from, Mike? Where's your, what's your background? I'm originally from Long Island, New York. And then 2008. I went from one side of the country to the other side of the country. So that's it for you, Long, Long Island, Vegas. That's the extent of your uh, where you've lived in your life. Yeah, I've only lived in two places. I mean, I've visited a bunch. I've traveled for comedy and stuff, but as far as living, just New York, Las Vegas. Now, would you say you have a New Yorker's take in terms of your material, or are you more of a Vegas guy at this point? I don't really think I'm. I mean, the way I talk. I'm a little aggressive sometimes. Um, I speak fast. I say my, have my little New York accent words and stuff. So I'm New York and like that way, but I don't do like New York material and stuff like that. I'm not like, you know, all that, but I mean, I, and I don't even know what like a Vegas person is. Cause it's so not transient, like a, right? Yeah. Everybody's yeah. from everywhere. Yeah, they're so all over the place and just kind of live here that I'm just all over. I, I just try to be like as relatable as I can, whether there's a 20 year old or an 80 year old in the crowd. I, they can relate to what I'm saying to some level. I like to take observational stuff, stuff that happens in my personal life. 
stupid shit with right now and just all the idiosyncrasies. Just so I'm kind of all over the place. So I'm not like New York Andrew Dice Clay, all yeah, that yeah, stuff. Yeah. But you know, <laughs> I, I got like a little bit of a New York swag to me. Yeah. Hey, sometimes the eighty-year-old and the twenty-year-old are together, right? Hey. And, uh, yeah. All the time, especially All in Vegas, there's sugar the babies time. everywhere. Yeah, sugar babies. Uh, what about you, Spiro? Where's home for you? Uh, I'm originally from Chicago. Ooh, ooh. Now that's a scene right there. Yeah. Chicago, they got a big comedy scene. They have a massive scene. I actually didn't start comedy out there. Um, and I lived in LA for a couple of years. I played hockey. I did improv out in LA, and then I moved out here, and I started stand up. Uh, not right away, but a few years after I moved here. So I've had never had for, never done it before. So you started here. Started here. Wow. Started here. Yeah. Okay. And did you have somebody who sort of took you under their wing and helped you out, or do you have to figure it all out on your own? Um well, in the early yeah. I mean in the early days, I've known Mike. We did improv together like fifteen years ago. So I couldn't tell. <laughs> I know. And I saw him, um, he would always do stand up. Like we would always have like a, like at the beginning of the shows, he would do like time or like an intermission. You would do time, like he would do time. And then we'd have like a rotating thing where if you wanted to try it, like you could try it. Um, and I tried it a couple of times and I just, I don't know, wasn't my jammy jam, uh, right away. It was, I like just kind of not being on script and not having to like have things written down and memorized. And it was too, uh, yeah, it was too stressful for me. I was like, oh, I got to remember these things. I don't like that. So, you know, I stuck with improv and then I was just like, I want to try stand up again. I was a little bit older, uh, a little more mature. So I was like, I'm, I'm going to try it. But, you know, Mike was Mike was doing it the whole time. I got to, you know, hang out with him again uh, in the comedy world. And then I just got to meet a bunch of cool people really fast, including Butch, which was one of the first people I met when I started doing comedy. So, uh, you know, I've been very lucky just having some really good friends um, at the beginning. But he speaks highly of the two of you. When I said, hey, I'd like to talk to a couple local comedians that are Vegas-based, you were the first two that he, whose names he gave me, which means your checks apparently are clearing. So that's good. Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, Hell yeah. Mike, you're coming back from a, a, a weekend gig. Do you enjoy those? Do you like leaving for the weekend if, uh, if it isn't too far away? Oh, my God. Oh my God, nah, I love it. I, I like going, I've been in Vegas for so long that like, you get so complacent here. You just get like the novelty. I'm, I'm not like, ooh, Vegas. It's so, like, I recognize that it's pretty, but overall it does shit. So, uh, yeah. like, I like going anywhere, whether it be like a big major city or a small town. Like, we went to Laughlin this week. I was there from Wednesday to Sunday. Um, so I drove back this morning. It took an hour and a half to get back. It's a super easy, straight drive, no traffic. I did get pulled over. Uh oh. Um, cop was cop was very nice. Let me go. Um, I guess the spray I had in my car <laughs> deflected him from what else I was doing. But um, <laughs> legal. It's legal. Yeah, but not when you're driving. Oh, so he let okay. me. He, he let me go. Um, it was a three minute stop. I, I just got back. Like I was on the second exit from my house when this stream started. So I just made it back. I left at 12. We did five shows. Um, it was a great week. The club just opened. Um, so there weren't like massive, massive crowds. 
But everybody who was there was like wanted to be there. There were good comedy crowds. It was a really, really nice place. So I loved just getting there. Who, who, did you, uh, who did you share the bill with? Um, he's a headliner named Quinn Dale. Okay. Very, I, I mean, I really, I don't want to just be like, oh, very funny guy, because that's not enough. But Quinn is legit one of my, uh, he's one of my favorite comics to like watch. Like, I've seen so much comedy over the years. I used to work at the club, so when I was seating, I'd see the same dude five days in a row. I've seen more comedy than most people. Quinn, I like watching Quinn. Really? He's uh, he's, he's he's one of the good ones. Okay. Note to Very self. True. Very yeah, true. So shout out to, unofficial shout out to Quindale. There you go. That was actually official, so there you go. Spiro, do you like being on the road? Yeah, yeah, it's just, um, you know, Vegas is so busy all the time. You know, it's a busy city. It's a busy city. There's people in and out, people in and out, vacation, tour it. Like, you know, there's so much going on in Vegas. And that translates into the comedy as well. Like, when we perform for the audiences, like, that's what it's like. It's very, like, we're, it's, it's intense. It's very busy. We're part of the itinerary. They got to be in. They got to be out. They got other things to do. So, like, it's nice to go on the road and just... Be like, oh, like this is like a normal place where people are just going about their week and then they come to the show excited to see like a show. Like it's not sandwiched in between like eight other things that they're trying to do. So, uh, like, like Mike said, you get almost complacent here because you're just so used to like the, the hustle and bustle that when you do get to leave, you get to kind of like truly like, Oh, like I do enjoy my comedy. I do enjoy this bit I'm working on. I would get to work this angle a little bit more that I wouldn't be able to in Vegas. So it's, um, it's, it's a fun experience for sure, because it's just such a big change from what we were used to performing, uh, to like and with here in Vegas. So I absolutely love it. It's like refreshing. I come back like those, super relaxed. When you're in those other towns, do you, do you get out and actually, experience what they're all about or do you just stay in your room i I, so at the beginning i would like you know i would just be like i'm gonna this is my vacation i'm just gonna rest and then i'm gonna do comedy at night and i'm just gonna rest i'm gonna take but uh i started going on the road with the comic vicky barbalock who was on america's got talent very very funny and every time she's taking me on the road she has like she makes friends like of people that like that came to see her all her fans she'll like make friends with them and they'll like take us on like incredible like local excursions and show us around the town and give us history and like take us to museums. And then it's just something where I'm like, wow, like you really get to see so many cool things and experience so many like wonderful, beautiful things. If you just go and like open yourself up to it. So now I'm definitely like, wherever I go, I try to find whatever I can. I try to talk to the locals to see like, if there's something that they would recommend that you can't get anywhere else. And yeah, I've learned a lot about a lot of cool places. So helps your material too, doesn't it? I mean, if you're kind of know sort of the people that you're talking to, you you pull into a city you've never been to before, you go out and spend a, a day, you know, in the restaurants and the bars and the shops, and you're kind of like, okay, I got this. This is blue collar. These or these people are white collar, or they're country, or you know, or they're British, and you don't can't figure out why because you're in San Diego. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. It it helps with that all the time. And I mean, sometimes you find out what they think is funny because you had a weird experience there. And then you start to learn from everybody that that doesn't normally happen 
like in their city. So then you can play off of that. So it's a lot of fun. Now there's a difference between going in doing a weekend, uh, you know, Thursday through Sunday with, you know, two shows a night weekends or whatever versus one nighters. Have you experienced that where you've had to drive like seven hours in between gigs, three straight, four straight days in a row? No. I was, I was, I was waiting. I was waiting for my colleague. I don't really do stuff like that. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll do a couple of one nighters because I, um, I go around with um in Hollywood for the last eight years. So when he goes on the road, he takes a couple of his dudes with him, and we'll do like one nighters. But they're like easy. They're like in like um California. I like the improvs and stuff like that. Yeah, so you have like Ontario, Brea, Irvine stuff. So they're like maybe three to, yep. about three to five hours away. We do the show, and then we'll usually drive back at night. Um, since it's a one nighter, because there's no point in getting a room and waking up early. And Cali's kind of like an easy drive. If it's Arizona, most likely we'll get a room because that drive at night scares the shit. Horrifying. So, yeah, we don't really do like one nighters where like we're in one city and then we drive seven hours to the next. That's never really been my thing. Usually, it's set up a little bit more structured. Or it's a one-nighter. Because I have stuff back here in Vegas, too. So, it wouldn't be... It would be hard to do. Yeah, Yeah, it would be difficult to do all that. And unnecessary to drive hours when you have shows already waiting for you at home. So Yeah, I think that might might be more of a Midwest or even Southern thing. Where I've talked to comics who literally are... You know, they're Travis City, Michigan one night. Then they're in Beloit, Wisconsin the next night. Then they're in... Duluth, there, Minnesota, there, the next night. And just there are some comics who live their lives like that, who just yep. are road warriors. They're in a different hmm. city every night. I was, uh, I did a show last year in uh, Medford, Oregon. Mm-hmm. I was featuring for some dude named Rio Hillman. And uh, that guy, he just, he's a road warrior. He's just in his car. He, he did that weekend gig. And then the next weekend, he'd do some bar and. M- Milwaukee and then he was just every night, every other night was just a different bar, a different place, like all over the place. So so some people have everyone's got like a different path. Some people I have would, residency. I would think that, that would people, be that would be hard to do though. That would, oh, would yeah. wear on a guy pretty quick, I would think. Right. He was telling us his car had like three hundred thousand miles on it. Like that guy spent more time in his car than he has anywhere else in his life. Sure. Jesus. But he's funny. He's a warrior. He's hustling. Like everyone's got their own path. He's just doing it the hard, hard, hard way. Sure. Yeah. Real hard. All right. So yeah, what, good uh, for him, man. what's left, uh, uh, still for this year for you guys to achieve? And then beyond this year, do you have goals? Cause I think the pandemic sort of gave everybody a chance to reset their clock. I know it did with me. I got out of the, day-to-day of working for a company and I'm still doing radio. So thanks Mike for making me have to go edit this three times already, but um, it's, <laughs> it, it, it's not the same as working for the big corporation. You know, I get to make my own hours beyond, I get to choose when I'm on, I get to do these interviews whenever I feel like it. So there's a freedom to that. And yeah, I think great. a lot of people are relating to that because they, they took that time where we were grounded to sort of rethink some things. So what about the two of you? Where 
where are you now and where do you kind of want to be? Is it the same trajectory as you would have had pre pre COVID? So I'm, I'm in a weird transitionary period because my COVID and my, like, you know, my after the, like everything opened was a little chaotic. So I didn't get a chance to kind of take advantage like everybody else to try or like most people to try to reset and uh, or rethink things. Um, so I'm kind of in that period now where I'm trying to figure out, you know, what am I doing? What's my trajectory? Um, I'm, cha- I'm trying to change all my material that I used to do because I, everything I have and did was before the past couple of years. So now I'm just totally different person. I just, I don't know. So I'm like in a complete tear down and rebuild mode. So I think by the end of the year, I just want to feel like comfortable again with everything. I want to feel like I've built up like another good, like 15 to 20 that I can, you know, use. And then I think for 2024 would be to heavily hit the road and really kind of, uh, get it fine tuned and make something special out of it. Right on. What about you, Mike? I mean, what Spiro was just saying, like, you do evolve every couple of years as a person. So the last couple, even before COVID, I was way different comedian than I am now. Because, like, during COVID, we weren't doing comedy for so long that, like, a lot of us forgot our material. <laughs> You're so used to doing it over and over again every day that, like, you think it's always second nature. But then when we started doing shows again, we were like, what the hell? Like, mm-hmm. we didn't remember tags and segues. So a lot of my material now that I have is all new post-COVID, like, that I had to write because I just couldn't go back and watch my old video YouTube videos anymore. So I'm just constantly just trying to evolve, get better, um, as, write as much new material as I can, but also take the existing material that I have and add to it and add ah, more levels okay. to it. So sure. take a five minute bit, turn it into a 10 minute bit if I can, or just kind of like your house. You have a house, but you're constantly doing annexes and construction on it. Just make your house bigger and better. Um, about a year ago, me and two other dudes started a podcast. So we've been hitting that. We've been trying to focus on that and, you know, trying to make that. So that's one of our goals this year is to get the podcast a little bit more, uh, popular and watchable for people and sure. try to hit do you like the that? road do you, as much do you as en- I can. Mike, do you enjoy podcasting? Do you like that part of it? This is the first time I've ever dabbled with it, and I really do. It's something to look forward to every week. Um, luckily for me, I don't do any of the editing or any of the behind-the-scenes thing. We have uh, the producer, Sean Reddy, super funny comic. I take him on the road with me when I headline. Um, sure. So he's a big part of the pod, and we couldn't do it without him. So I think I enjoy it more just because I don't necessarily have to do the editing and He's really talented at that. So that's his wheelhouse. So yeah. for me to just show yeah. up and make content, yeah, I do love that. But I feel bad for Sean when he's up till five in the morning editing stuff. And That's okay, because Sean gives it to his buddy Brian Thomas, who's you know, a video editor by by trade. So oh, no. don't let him fool you. He's he's passing it over. Don't the secret. <laughs> the secret's out. Sean. Uh, I don't I don't no. think Brian's I don't think Brian's doing his work, but we are we are mutual friends and Brian is the best video editor I know. 
He's really good. He uh, but yeah, well, but maybe I, that's Sean how I know. can learn something from him. That's how I know of Sean because right. of Brian. So um, I've seen your podcast, Spiro. I, I guess it's your podcast, but you were talking yeah. to a you were talking to a sex therapist last I saw. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wild, yeah. wild, wild. Uh, no, it's 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 my brother's uh, girlfriend, fiance. I don't know if they are. Um, but yeah, no, I just started one. I'm trying to figure it out. I'm so freaking busy that it's hard to, uh, schedule and get on because I work in the casino industry. So I realize very quickly that, uh, not everyone's schedules are even remotely close to mine. So trying to, trying to get guests and everything like that's been a little bit of a struggle. So, uh, actually last night I, I, messed around and I tried a new format. So I'm excited to try to see how the new format will go and will work and uh, work in progress for sure. But it's, we're in the infancy stage. Hey, you know, I told you I have 40 years of radio and you'd think that prepares you to be a podcaster, but to be honest with you, there's a whole learning curve there that I've had to kind of, you know, reimmerse myself. I've been behind one of these for as long as I can remember, but just different so i yeah i'm learning i'm learning too the nice thing about the podcast mike is you can you know let fly whenever you feel like it and and uh obviously we're under the constrictions of the uh fcc still although it's pretty late at night so i may just let your uh, s-bombs go i i don't know (laughs) i haven't decided what i'm gonna do all right so if somebody wants to find you and and see you uh perform obviously you're in all the different clubs here in town but uh is there a place online that's like mike Krasner Central, where we can just go boom, and there we are. Um, I have Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. It's all comedian Mike Krasner. It's all the same handle for everything, so you can just type me in there. I'm most, I do most of my work on Instagram. I'm not a tweeter. No one cares about what I have to tweet. Uh, TikTok. I'm not a young. 16 year old hot girl so i'm not really killing it on there like spiro is spiro's got a good tiktok thing going on he can he can dance but, uh, i mean that's half of it yeah you can hit me up on instagram or any one of those platforms i uh comedian mike krasner nice and, and simple that, same name that's one platform. s by the way i learned that the hard way there's one s so get it one right. s it sounds like a z there you go and what about you spiro <laughs> Uh, pretty much the same. I'm on everything, mainly, uh, Instagram and TikTok are the two that you could probably find me on the most, but I have Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. It's all Spiro in that show. So it's my name, S P I R O. And then it's in that show. So that's how you find me. And, and is your calendar pretty well updated on there? Like we can find out where you're going to be on stage enough in advance so we can plan to come see you. Yep. I have everything posted. Uh, everything has a link to my website where I have everything that, uh, every show that I'm doing posted. And then Instagram is if there's any like last minute pop-ups that I'm doing for the day. Hey, next time I would really like to have you guys in studio. Cause I think there's a whole dynamic that uh, goes away when you're doing it this way, but I'm still happy that we had the chance to do this, but could you, I mean, I, I hope someday come on in and hang out for an hour or so. That'd be fun. Absolutely. I'll wear my Raider hat too. Okay, man. Raiders. All right. (laughs) Look at that. Thank you, guys. All right. Appreciate you both. There's Spiro and Mike Krasner, two funny people. You're going to see them on stage here in Las Vegas. And we do appreciate the time, guys. Have a great night. Thank Thank you you. so much. Appreciate it, Wayne. 
The Wayne Coy Show. Do you love watching television? If you're on a fixed budget, you need to make this free call right now to Dish and find out how you can get a fixed monthly price to watch all the television you want for three full years. In addition to a three-year price guarantee, you can also get free monthly movie rentals. They give you one free movie rental every month. That's a $165 value, yours free. Plus, get free in-home tech visits, no-cost equipment replacements, a free voice remote, and you can watch commercial-free TV. Even access all your favorite apps to stream like Netflix, Amazon Prime, YouTube, and more. Now is the perfect time to call Dish. Take advantage of the three-year price guarantee. Save yourself some money, and all your equipment is free. Call right now. 
two buttons on the front, three buttons on the front, how many on the sleeve, do you want like a custom photo lining for the inside of your jacket, any number of different things that you can think of. This is all about what do you want? And and when you ask guys, what do you want? They don't know because they've never given been given the option before. Because I help men look as absolute best as they can. It's transforming people's lives. If you've never had a suit that fits you right, you have no idea how much confidence it gives you. That's the important part. 702-767-2478. Instagram at customsuitguy, sincitycustomsuits.com. Do you love watching television? If you're on a fixed budget, you need to make this free call right now to Dish and find out how you can get a fixed monthly price to watch all the television you want for three full years. In addition to a three-year price guarantee, you can also get free monthly movie rentals. They give you one free movie rental every month. That's a $165 value, yours free. Plus, get free in-home tech visits, no-cost equipment replacements, a free voice remote, and you can watch commercial-free TV. Even access all your favorite apps to stream like Netflix, Amazon Prime, YouTube, and more. Now is the perfect time to call Dish. Take advantage of the three-year price guarantee. Save yourself some money and all your equipment is free. Call right now. 800-586-4206. 800-586-4206. 800-586-4206. That's 800-586-4206. Paid for by $9.99 a month with signed agreement. Restrictions apply. Speak to a representative for complete offer details. See Vivint.com for license details. Terms and conditions apply. Homeowners, if you're looking for the best in home security and smart home technology at a price you can actually afford, we have great news. Now you can get Vivint's award-winning home security systems starting at about a dollar a day. U.S. News & World Report has recognized Vivint as the best professionally installed home security system of 2022. And right now, you can get Vivint's home security technology for about a dollar a day. Plus, get free professional installation from a licensed technician. Protect your home and loved ones for as low as a dollar a day. Call right now for your free home security consultation. 800-557-8036. 800-557-8036. 800-557-8036. That's 800-557-8036. Now, back to the Wayne Coy Show. I actually am in recovery for gambling for three years now because I actually got addicted to it. And it's, it's silly to talk about because I didn't get addicted to, like, horse racing or sports gambling. I got addicted to penny slot machines. Yeah. <laughs> penny slot machines, they prey on your nostalgia. You know, you go into a casino. Any generation you grow up in, there's a slot machine for you. You know, the older generation, they got hee-haw. You know, they got Jetsons, all that kind of stuff. For us, you know, they got Star Wars and Willy Wonka and Transformers and the bonuses are the coolest part. You know, you, get, you hit the bonus, you get to do cool stuff. Transformers, you get to save Cybertron. There's nothing I've wanted more in my life than to have Optimus Prime tell me, Mark, we need your help. I'm like, yes! I have three grand, let's do this! I love gambling. I, do. I really love gambling. But more than my love for gambling, I love to watch Chinese people gamble. Because when we gamble, it is very dramatic and entertaining. Okay? Every single Chinese person believes, sincerely believes, that we Chinese, we have the power to change the cards. In our hands, into whatever card we want. 
And how do we change the cards? Do we open the cards immediately? No! We open the card very slowly. Millimeter by millimeter. Open, open, open. Open, open. Yeah, that's a sign that Chinese people gamble too much because we're not anywhere near Asia. And, uh, and Pai Gao is just sitting there. You know how you know Indian people don't gamble at all? Or not enough, at least? Uh, because there's no roulette wheel in the casino with an Indian woman's face on it. And you've got to get the red ball to land on her forehead. You know what I mean? Just like... Oh, so close. Just... I, I went to a bachelor party in Vegas. And the very next week... I took my wife and my two kids to Vegas. <laughs> Same city, two different galaxies, all right? Like, married men, when you, when you take your wife and your kids to Vegas, we're like sad little mermaids. <laughs> After our wife and kids go to sleep, we look at all the people out there having fun. <laughs> I wanna be where the people are. <laughs> I wanna see, wanna see them dancing. They're taking shots and doing that. What's that drug again? Oh, E. <laughs> Last summer, I was in Las Vegas. It was 114 degrees. 114 degrees. You can actually hear the sun at that point. It didn't feel safe. I was like, are we supposed to be here? 114. Like, you're never at a friend's house. You're warm in here. Yeah, yeah I set the thermostat to 114. Moved to Las Vegas 10 years ago from New Jersey. The Garden State. Folks back east can't believe I live in Las Vegas. And somebody has to live there, you know. And they really can't believe I live in the desert. That's like, ooh, that blows their mind. That's exotic. They don't know anything about the desert. So you can tell them anything when they ask dopey questions about it. Ooh, I hear it's hot there. Yeah, but it's a dry heat. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I hear it rains a lot, too. Yeah, but it's a dry rain. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, do you gamble a lot more? Uh, no. But I gamble in different ways. For instance, I now buy meat at the dollar store. I got carded in Vegas recently. It's not that funny. No, it was just sitting at a blackjack table and the pit boss asked me for my ID and I was like, oh, okay. So I gave it to him and he looks at it and he looks at me. Come on, this can't be right. I said it is, I'm older than I look. And he goes, yeah, but 103 pounds? Uh, just some of the funny stuff that happens here in our town. Yeah, there's a reason why comedians flock to Vegas, because it's a, it's a good place to get your laugh on. Thanks to our guest today, to... Uh, Everybody who stopped in. It was a busy room here today. We had the uh, the box officer, of course, thanks to Megan Wilder, and uh, two funny guys that were just with us just a moment ago. Uh, don't forget, uh, you can see uh, Butch Bradley's cast of characters over at that L.A. Comedy Club at the Strat. They just have a nonstop string of really funny people over there. So get a chance. Go check them out. We'll check you out tomorrow night. 
starting at 7. We'll see you then.